Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are brothers from different mothers. And uh, if we look at each other from that perspective, perhaps peace is possible. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss and we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Missy and I will catch up, but more importantly, she and I sat down with our dear friend, Imam Imad Inchansi. Imad is a Palestinian refugee who's a local imam here at the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City. He has a unique insight in what is going on over in the Middle East right now. He got some really, really difficult news this last week, losing five family members to the war. It is a very emotional but insightful conversation that you're going to want to listen to. So stay tuned. Hello there, Missy. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, and you? I am okay. I'm really hoping that very soon we are able to get back to a place where we can open with something fun and light. Oh my goodness. I am so there with you because we do, we've been dealing with a lot of heavy topics lately. We really have. And I, you know, I've been doing this with you now for a little over a year, Mm I don't know, 60, 70, maybe 80 episodes, something like that. And we've always been able, no matter what the topic is and we've dealt with some heavy topics sure. we've always been able to come with you know some something fun some anecdote yeah. for the beginning it just doesn't feel right lately it it really doesn't mm-hmm. um with the situation going on in the middle east it our hearts are breaking yeah. and it seems disingenuous to come and try to i don't know it's i don't know i'm struggling yeah. so well, here it, I am. It, it's such a heavy topic i mean first and foremost there's so much death revolving around it. Um, you know, we've talked about it on this pod. We've written about it at goodfaithmedia.org. Our hearts broke when the news surfaced about the attack in Israel by Hamas. Our hearts continue to break as the numbers of Palestinians who are being killed in Gaza continue to rise. And it's just really difficult. And what is so peculiar about this instance is not only the death, but it seems as though we're all being forced to choose sides. Mm-hmm. And this is tough. I mean, it is absolutely tough. So we kind of, I don't know, shortly after this happened, I just couldn't talk about it. I was very open right. with you that I was not willing to go in on record <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. um, that's terrifying to me. But um, a couple of weeks ago, we had Dr. George Mason sure. on who gave a brilliant overview of the history. And if you'd like a precursor to this conversation today, that would be a great place mm-hmm. to start. And then we, or you reached out to our friend, um, like you said, a mom, Imada Chauncey this week to, to see if he would just be willing to come on to talk about his story. Yeah. Um, he, We've talked about him many times on this podcast because we just respect him so much. You know, and he grew up as a Palestinian refugee. Mm -hmm. And now he has lost family members in this war and this conflict. And I am so grateful. I was so surprised that he was open and, and willing to come and talk about something that is clearly 
very traumatic and um, awful going on in his very personal real life. And so it, I don't know, I'm thankful that he was, he did come to talk to us. I'm also just thankful for that friendship, for the ability that you and I have had as adults to develop relationships that as children, we never thought we would have had. Right. Yeah. You know, and the reason I wanted to have uh, Imad on the show is that it does communicate and put a human story to this very complex situation that's going on in the Middle East. But I would also say the same thing. It's only a microcosm because I've also been listening to the stories of people who were killed during the Hamas attack and stories about the hostages that are still being held by Hamas. But also I want to make certain to hear the stories of Palestinians and their families as they are being killed now in Gaza. I never, ever, ever want to give up that human face to what is going on in the world. When we give that up, we've lost and I refuse to do it. Well, and and Ahmad even references in the interview, he said, you know, I feel like if this were left up to people of faith, Mm. you know, this wouldn't be happening. Right. Um, We are all victims of systems and governments and, and some things that we feel like are beyond our control. Sure. Um, And I really, just the way he put it really resonated with me is that I would never hurt my friend. You would never hurt your friend. He would never hurt us. Same for, you know, any of our friends of of any different faith or nationality Mm -hmm. background. We would never look in the eyes of a friend and do this. And so I think it's getting back to that point where we, we have to look at humanity and we have to get the powers that be to consider humanity mm-hmm. in these situations. Yeah, that's very well said. Well, we want to get right to the interview. You are not going to want to miss the next uh, 25 minutes or so that we spent with Imad and Chasi. Uh, he is just a wonderful, wonderful human being that we have so much respect for, and our hearts go out again to him and to his families as he has now suffered the loss of five family members in Gaza. And our heart goes out to everyone who's lost family members, and we just want to keep that in mind. We know that people have died, both Jews and Palestinians, and uh, our heart breaks for all of them. Is human suffering, is human yeah. suffering, is human suffering. Absolutely. Stay tuned. I've always been struck by the scriptures we avoid reading, the stories we don't want to tell in church. I'm Brett Harrison. That's what You've Never Read This, a new series from God Knows Where, is all about. We'll read from prophets and histories we've hidden from ourselves, even words of wisdom and warning from Jesus that we've likely never heard. As with everything we do here, God knows where this will lead us, but I hope you'll join me. Find God Knows Where on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a very special guest with us, but also a dear friend of mine. Imam Imad Inchasi is the senior imam at the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City and the chair of the Islamic Studies at Wimberley School of Religion at Oklahoma City University. He is the author of Cloud Miles, A Remarkable Journey of Mercy, 
Peace and Purpose and appeared in the short GFM-produced documentary Mercy and the feature-length documentary Different Books, Common Word, Baptist and Muslims. As a Palestinian refugee, five family members of Ahmad's family have been killed in the current war being waged in Gaza. Ahmad, we want to first begin by offering our condolences to you and your family. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly, even under these very difficult circumstances. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So, Ahmad, let's begin by inviting you to share a little bit about your family, your background, your parents, and growing up in that region. Well, my father is uh, indigenous to the to Palestine, uh, the city of um, uh, Yaffa, to speak, which is now it is now Israel. Uh, my father and my grandfather, I write about it in my book, uh, Walk the Palestinian Trail of Tears. Um, they were ethnically cleansed uh, back in 1948. Uh, the entire area, the entire coastal area on the Mediterranean um, were terrorized, uh, and many, many of the families left uh, fleeing the violence and the war, uh, and I fled. Uh, my father happened uh, to um, go to Lebanon with his father, and um, that was in 1948. Um, uh, both my grandfather and my father died brokenhearted and, uh, and died as refugees in Lebanon. Um, uh, my, my, my grandfather's siblings, though, were internally displaced within um, the, um, the Palestinian territories. So I have family in the city of Jericho, uh, I have family in uh, Gaza. Uh, the people of Gaza right now are about 80% internal refugees who left their homeland in 1948, only 20% indigenous to that area. Um, the rest were coming from, um, uh, uh, from, the, from other parts uh, that they were uh, ethnically cleansed from. Uh, so my family is in Lebanon, my family is in Jordan, my family is in uh, Palestinian territory. Um, my family is all over the place, a typical uh, Palestinian family that have been ethnically cleansed uh, from their homeland. Ahmad, as I said in the introduction, uh, you've had five family members killed in this most recent war. And I know that you have other family members who are not only within Palestine, but in surrounding in the surrounding region. Uh, first of all, can you talk about what happened and just share a little bit about those family members? We want to pay respects to them, but then also um, your families that is in the area, around the area. What are you hearing from them at this jun- juncture? Recently, I, we could not hear anything from them because the internet is cut off and, of course, there's no phone service to Gaza. Uh, prior to that, when there was an on-off internet service, um, we will, I would check on them uh, every single day. It's kind of sad, you know, when, when you call your, your family and say, um, are you alive? Mm. You know, normally when, 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 when somebody called their families, they will check on them, say, how you doing? What did you do today? What did you eat today? How was your day? But the uh, typical greeting now for um, Palestinians who, are, who live outside of Gaza, when they call, when they call their family in Gaza, uh, the first thing said, you know, uh, thank God you answered the phone. Thank God you're alive. 
so for three days, um, uh, um, uh, three weeks ago, for three days, there was no connection with um, uh, uh, some of my cousins. So I called other cousins to check on them. And silly me, I, I said, you know, can you go check on your cousins on, on, in, in the southern part of, of Gaza? And, and you know, uh, for me, uh, who lives in Oklahoma, I could jump in my car and go to Moore or Norman anytime. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there was a silence on the other side. He said, we can't just take off and, and go check on them. Knowing the distance between um, uh, my cousins were about two miles, less than two miles. Uh, but they said, when it gets darker, we will go there. So when it got darker, uh, they went there and they realized that their house was completely demolished by uh, an air raid. Um, in that house, there was uh, my cousin and his wife and their son and their son's wife, uh, four people. And immediately my communication were to my other cousins, well, did you bury them? said, again, are you crazy? We, we, we barely found out that they're under the rebels. So they left and they came back three days later. And sure enough, the four bodies were pulled and they were buried. But we have no idea which massive grave they are buried in. Mm. Now, I need to add that those, you know, my cousin was a, an artist who, who sang in weddings. Um, they have no militant uh, connection to anything. Uh, they were just uh, ordinary uh, Palestinian civilians um, hiding in their house uh, with, their, with, with their son and their daughter-in-law. Mm. Two days ago, um, uh, again, the, 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 the Internet is, is, is on and off. Um, I see a post from one of yet another cousin um, a picture of uh, I, I, um, my cousin's son, who was um, a teenager, um, in his shroud, um, and 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 the heading of the Jose, you know, uh, Ismail in Shasi, um, is free now. He's with God, so that makes five members of my family. Yeah. I am so sorry, and again. You know, I have been in Beirut, uh, shared meals with your family, stayed in your home there in Beirut, and it's just such a a lovely family. Got to meet uh, your extended family as well, and it's just, I mean, just wonderful people making their way through life, uh, doing incredible things, Uh, you know, this artist and and his family and and this 17-year-old. My heart just goes out to you. Uh, but your story is one of many now, and that is one of the things that it is hard for us living in the States to get our heads around because this conflict has come to this moment in time and it's unfolding now right before our eyes. So, Maud, as a Palestinian, can you offer your insight into the ongoing conflict in the Holy Land while the recent war is new, the conflict is very old. Well, the conflict it goes back all the way to, um, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, British Empire who colonized um, uh, the land of Palestine. Um, uh, World War One, um, uh, World War Two, and, and many um, uh, Jewish refugees were came were coming to the Holy Land and um, settling in the Holy Land and. Of course, uh, the Bill 4 promise 
um, um, a, a British mandate um, to establish a homeland for the Jewish people on the land of Palestine. Um, and and United Nations recognized the state of Palestine in 1948. Um, that is the um, you know shortest version of the history. Now um, the the story of the Palestinian people are the story of every indigenous around the world that had to deal um, with uh, people who came um, um, uh, and colonized their land. Um, the story of the Palestinians is the story of every marginalized group around the world. Um, yes, it is complicated, um, but you know um, uh, the idea of occupation, the Palestinian people have been under occupation. If you want to look at it from 1948, that's 75 years. Uh, if you want to look at it from 1967, that's 50 plus years. They've been occupied for 50 plus years. Now, fast forward to what is happening uh, today. Uh, there are two Palestinian factions, again, to oversimplify it. Uh, the Palestinian Liberation Organization was in the West Bank and controls the West Bank. Uh, this is the PLO that was once a terrorist organization, but then signed a treaty with Israel, recognizing Israel and um, uh, accepting a two-state solution. That was 30 years ago. Um, the Palestinians signed a peace treaty uh, that they will have their own state, which is about 20% of the land and that they have lost, but they were all settled for a state that is 20% of their original land. That was 30 years ago. Nothing has happened since then. On the contrary, the um, extreme government of Netanyahu kept building illegal settlements uh, on Palestinian land, pushing the Palestinians uh, uh, further and further uh, apart. Uh, on the other side of Gaza, uh, where we at right now, is a group that will not recognize Israel, and um, um, because they will not recognize Israel, uh, they've been sealed uh, for the for the past uh, 17 years, literally with a wall. Um, they are sealed from Israel's side, and they are sealed from Egypt's side. Um, they have, um, you know, often I hear the word, you know, I want you to imagine uh, right here in Oklahoma City, the city of Moore, actually smaller than the city of Moore with 2.4 million people. 2.4 million people in that, uh, you know, they call it Gaza Strip. It is Gaza Strip, right? Um, it has been called the biggest um open air prison in the world, the most populated area in the world. It is, except I don't like the word prison uh, because they have not done any crime. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more than what we have done to Japanese Americans here in this, in, in our country, uh, an internment camp. Um, uh, they, they are uh, under, under um, uh, complete siege from, from everywhere. They, Absolutely, the last 17, 20 years, uh, children who are born in Gaza, what kind of a future, right? Mm -hmm. You have children. I have children. And I live that life. Mm -hmm. I know what they feel. Not because only I'm a Palestinian, but because I'm a human being with a heart. 
I know exactly what they're going through. I know what collective punishment is. And I know there are they have terrorist groups there. Um, uh, definitely, I know that terrorism is a virus. And the way you treat a virus is not by beating up the body, but by helping the body reject the virus itself. So what, what have been happening is, is, is that they've been bombarded um, 14 times um, over and over, over, you know, 14 wars against that little strip of Gaza. Now, if I'm a child, I lost his father and his mother, or I see my mother under, 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 under um, uh, the rubbles, um, you know, I'm not going to grow up to like you very much. Um, I think, I think uh, the, the, the virus of, of terrorism is, is, is grown there. Um, by the stubbornness of a, of a, a very brutal occupation um, that will not allow the Palestinian body to reject that virus on its own. Mm. Well said. Ahmad, I've got a couple of follow-up questions to that, and thank you so much for sharing. Um, you mentioned uh, current Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and just this week I heard from leaders in the IDF about presented evidence that Hamas was hiding in hospitals and schools because we continue to see the death rate increase to an unbelievable and unfathomable number uh, across Gaza. And I want to I want to interject this after the events of a few weeks ago, the brutality of Hamas. I didn't hear one person, Palestinian or Muslim leader that I respect, condone that type of violence and that type of attack. They condemned it in every way. But there has been a reaction by the Israeli government and the IDF in particular that seems to be, well, it doesn't seem to be, is disproportionate to what happened on that terrible day. And so now we are hearing from leaders within the Israeli government, in particular the IDF, who are showing from their perspective again evidence that Hamas was embedded in these hospitals. My question to you is that even if they were, is that justification to blow up an entire hospital or an entire school? I don't think it is. And that's got to be infuriating to you and to the people who call this area home and these people your family. Forgive me for not um, believing the IDF, mm -hmm. uh, and forgive me for not believing uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. His own people don't like him, and his own mother don't like him. Let me say this and, real quick. For, even if... Even if that they say what is true, and I think there's speculation, as you're rightly pointing out, even if that is true, it's still not justification to do what they do. And, and, you know, I'm coming to that point. The point is, you were with me. I was in Lebanon under collective punishment, and the same propaganda was the Palestinians are hiding behind hospitals, behind the civilian population. And, um, you know, when you have, when you have a, an area at the size of more Oklahoma with 2.4 million people, I'm sure things mix up a little bit. Are they, under, are they in the hospitals or not in the hospitals? 
I really don't think so. Or, or really, I don't know. But your point is well, well, well taken. Um, you know, there was an interview I watched uh, that they have bombed a, a, another refugee camp and they suspected there was one person. And because they suspected there was one person in that building, they demolished the whole building with 156 people, 156 inhabitants in that building. Um, uh, does, does that justify that? Absolutely not. Um, it seems like also our leadership here in the United States are taking the same lies or repeating and parroting the same lies. Um, um, but at any point, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the general population in Gaza were not consulted by Hamas, whether Hamas should do this terrorist attack or not. Uh, and they are collectively being punished. Uh, no water, no electricity. Imagine yesterday there was a joy in Gaza because it rained. Mm. There was a joy because it rained and people were collecting rainwater to drink. Now I'm crying because I was in Beirut and I had no water. I had no electricity. I had, you know, I, I know the feeling. Mm -hmm. I definitely know the feeling. And I definitely see a genocide when I see it. This is a genocide, and unfortunately, our government is complicit in this genocide. Mm. Another question I have that I want to follow up with, and it pertains to Netanyahu, he has gone on record saying that Israel will probably be in Gaza for who knows long. He didn't even give it a, a time frame. Knowing the history of settlements— is there concern that this is also going to turn into a land grab for more land for the state of Israel? In my opinion, that's exactly what it is. It's not about Hamas. It's not about Hamas. It's not, it's not about, it's about, they already have 1.4 million people displaced. Now imagine again, the city of Moore cut that in half and put 2.4 million people in the other half of the city of Moore. Those people are in hospitals. Those people are living in, in, uh, 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 in, in United Nations schools. And these places are being bombed as we speak. Uh, it is about land because the whole idea from day one, all the people of Gaza should go live in Egypt. And Egypt refused that premise because they knew what happened. That's what happened to my father and my grandfather. Go live in Lebanon for a few days until we finish the war and we'll bring you back. And we'll even build your land didn't happen. Mm. Uh, and by the way, I might add, the war is not only on Gaza, uh, on Hamas, the, the war is on all the Palestinians in the West Bank, the West Bank, where they signed the peace treaty with Israel. As we speak right now, there's 230 Palestinian youth have been killed. The, the airplanes are bombing the West Bank. So the idea, as you could see, Netanyahu went to the United Nations with the map of Israel. And he had no Palestinian land on, on that whatsoever. The entire map of traditional Palestine was uh, colored to show that this is Israeli territory. So the idea is to uh, uh, push the Palestinians uh, to Egypt from the Gaza side and push the Palestinians who are uh, already 
um, um, they're already building settlements after settlement after settlement. The settlers right now, as we speak, they go terrorize the local population. They burn their houses, they burn their cars, they burn their properties. They cannot even pick their own olive uh, trees. Um, the, the, the settlers have guns and the local Palestinians just have rocks and the power of God with them, I guess. Uh, the idea is to push the Palestinian from Gaza into uh, into Egypt and the West Bank to push them into Jordan and, and the whole land is just another uh, uh, episode of ethnic cleansing. Mm. Well, Ahmad, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing this information. My heart breaks for you, for your family, for the entire, um, just the trauma thank of you what so much. you've been through and what you continue to experience. Um, I don't know if your ears burn every couple of weeks, but I just want you to know that Mitch and I talk about you often on this <laughs> podcast. You are such a man of peace and someone we respect so greatly that it it does feel a little funny how many times we will reference um, you and your heart and your goodness. So with that said, we do know that you're a man of peace. Where can we find the mercy leading to peace in this situation? You know, the first person I called when my family uh, were murdered in Gaza was Rabbi Verit here in Oklahoma City. Um, in 2017, the Muslim community, the Jewish community, and the Christian community, yeah, this is not a joke. It's actually a thing, not, not a rabbi, <laughs> a rabbi and imam. <laughs> not a rabbi and imam and, and a preacher joke. We actually, in 2017, we took a trip to the Holy Land. We called it dual narrative in an attempt that we could find common grounds and common narratives and, and, and common understanding. We went in a trip that we called it an unsanitized trip. You know, many people will go on a very sanitized trip. They will go to the holy places and so on and so forth. But we actually went to settlements and we went to Jerusalem and we went to Palestine and we went, we went everywhere uh, we went to a, um, uh, a Palestinian land uh, that is surrounded by settlements, and they give them all kind of hell trying to give them to move out, a Christian Palestinian land. That's another thing. The Christian card is forgotten in Palestine. Mm -hmm. They bombed in Gaza the second uh, oldest Orthodox church in the world, um, killing 43 people, the vast majority of which were Christians in there. Uh, so um, um, the, 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 the idea uh, was to build a family, uh, uh, an interfaith family. We went together, we ate together, um, um, we, we, we went to all these places together, and um, when anything breaks in the Middle East, we find comfort, uh, figuratively speaking, in the arms of one another. Uh, we were at the state capital, uh, we were at the uh, city council meeting, hoping to pass a resolution um, uh, to condemn Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, which is on the rise mm -hmm. uh, in America because of what's happening overseas. Um, you know, uh, from uh, Jewish students being threatened by other students uh, to a Palestinian kid who was stabbed 26 times. Uh, by his landlord, it's the stories are horrific. So we thought we'd come together and stand in front of the city of Oklahoma City um, council meeting and pass a, 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 
um, that we stand against xenophobia, Islamophobia, and anti-Semitism. Um, but, you know, uh, we were able to speak and address the city council uh, uh, briefly, and, and, and we had um, a, a very positive, uh, actually, we had a stand ovation from the city council uh, that morning, and we still talk to one another. I think if it's left up to the conscious of people of religion, people of faith, I think that, that, that you know, I don't think anybody of faith would promote, um, you know, collective punishment. I don't think anybody of faith would, would, would turn off the water on an entire population and bomb uh, uh, civilians and bomb uh, ambulances and, 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 and press uh, personnel. Um, I don't think anybody of, of, of faith would agree with uh, apartheid or ethnic cleansing. I think, I think if, it's, if it's left up to the conscience of people of faith, this could be solved. Unfortunately, we have politicians uh, that are u- using faith uh, to divide us uh, and 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 to make us, uh, you know, I I I kind of I kind of said that in one other interview. I said, you know, the moment you hear from some politicians that you know, uh, we the moment we identify this is good and this is evil, well, um, you know, we're doomed because you know. If I already identify what is good, that good could do no evil. And if I identified what is evil, then it'll be easy to eliminate evil, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. We have colorful, as politicians have colorful names uh, for indigenous people in this country. You know, um, we call them savages. Um, um, you know, now they call them, they call them Palestinians and Muslim terrorists. Uh, the moment we demonize and dehumanize the other, it becomes um, easy to eliminate the other. So I think people of faith need to come together and it needs courageous leaders to stand up and saying, I want peace, not despite my faith, but because of it. Well said. Imam Imad Inchasi, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I hate the reason that we are talking to you this week, but uh, again, our hearts go out to you and to your family at the loss of your five family members. Uh, also, we know that you are mourning for the people of Palestine, both in Gaza and in the West Bank. Um, if you want to know more about Imad's story, please go to goodfaithmedia.org and pick up his book, Cloud Miles, A Remarkable Journey of Mercy, Peace, and Purpose. Trust me, you will not regret having his memoir uh, on your shelf. But Ahmad, before we let you go, we've got one last question that Missy asked all of our guests. And after everything you said, I have no idea how you're going to answer it, but uh, we are going to ask it anyway. So I have one little comment before I ask the question. You mentioned getting a standing ovation at the city council meeting, and I have yet to hear you speak ever where I did not feel you should have a standing ovation. So because I don't want this to end yet, and I want more of your wisdom and your words, I will ask you our final question. So as you know, Maud, our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. So in light of our conversation today, the work that you do and the world that we're in, tell us what is your more to tell? I want to remind people that this is not a religious war. Mm. This is a war over uh, land and uh, against occupation. I want to remind people of the story in the Hebrew scripture or in Old Testament uh, of Abraham 
two children, Isaac and Ishmael. The story is very beautiful that Isaac and Ishmael were separated. Isaac lived in nearby Jerusalem, and um, uh, Ishmael lived in Paran, today's Mecca. And the beauty of the story that they kept in touch with one another somehow. I don't think they were texting one another, <laughs> but uh, you know somehow uh, the the family you would see in in Genesis Abraham dies. And Isaac sent a message to his brother, uh, Ishmael. And Ishmael comes all the way from Mecca. Uh, and, and, and both brothers come together as a family and bury their father. I want to remind uh, maybe your viewers that Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are brothers from different mothers. And uh, if we look at each other from that perspective, perhaps peace is possible. Imam, Imad, and Chansley, thank you so much for those beautiful words. Again, our heart breaks for you and the people in the Holy Land right now. And we've got to find a way to embrace peace and a better way forward. And I think you are leading the way in that, my friend. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. God bless you. Well, we just finished talking to our dear friend, Imad Chasi, and I don't know about you, Missy, I'm always so inspired, challenged, but unfortunately this time, just heartbroken when we talk to our good friend. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know, and I'm going to talk off the cuff and maybe get myself in trouble, but I, I don't understand how anyone today can turn on the news, can open a social media feed, or can listen to Imad's stories and what he has to say and think that what is going on right now should continue mm. in this way. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't. And I know I just today heard, you know, someone I had respected mm -hmm. try to justify the violence and the casualties among civilians. And I'm not there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is that we've never been there. I mean, we have said this for decades now. We said it when the U S went to war and killed civilians on their pursuit for Osama bin Laden. We're saying it again today. I just, as a person of faith, as someone who believes and follows the teachings of Jesus, I just believe in that saying that those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And it just will, it's this continuation of violence that we get in this secular idea of violence. And it's just, it's just so frustrating, heartbreaking, and infuriating all at the same time. I would just say, as a human being, I mean, as a human being to watch and think this is the answer yeah. that I don't understand. And it's, it's frustrating for me knowing that the, I guess how sheltered, you know, my upbringing was that I believed people mm -hmm. who said, well, you know, there's just a price of war, you know, that's just what happens. Right. And you know, I, I don't know, to look in the face of our friend who has lived the life of someone, you know, as a refugee and who's 
you know, parents have fled that situation and to now see the pain in his eyes when he says, you know, I've, I've lost five people in my family mm-hmm. and now to call and it's not, what are you doing? It's, are you picking up? Are you even alive? Yeah. And there's a real human, very human element to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because this whole concept of price of war and we're hearing it over and over again in different ways, as you mentioned a moment ago, is that it's the price of war until you're the one that is asked to pay the price. And when I hear Imad's stories, when I hear the stories of Israelis who've had their children die, I resonate with every one of them, both Palestinian and Jew, that that could be my nieces and nephews. That could be my two boys. That could be you. For what? And that is what is heartbreaking to me, is that as human beings, we cannot get to a place that says, we're going to talk about this and come up with a solution. The first answer is always violence. And I think what he, two things that he said that just, well, lots of things that he said resonated, but, you know, the one analogy he said about, you know, when, when there's a virus in the body, you don't go mm-hmm. beat the body. Yeah. You know, you give the body the tools it needs to, you know, flush out the virus. And I just think we need to, as a society, shift our mindset from this one of just conquering and defeat at all cost. Yeah. Um. I don't know how to get there quite. I, I don't know. My my hope and my prayer is that with everything that is wrong with social media, the, how it can go wrong, I, my hope is that because we are forced to face, we are forced to see, we cannot deny. It's not somewhere around the world. It's, some, it's not a nameless, faceless person anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the person you see right on your screen when you open up your, your phone. Yeah that is suffering and that is dying in, yeah. in living in horrid conditions. And so, I don't know, that's, that was one thought that I had. The other thing that, you know, just really resonated was when he said, you know, when, when politicians start labeling things good versus evil, then we're doomed. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing and acknowledging how much that is ingrained in me from my history my upbringing is that there was good and evil there was right and wrong and of course my team was always on the side of good but once you label something that way then you can no longer see that you know the good can do evil or vice versa and it's delineated and you just lose sight of right and wrong yeah yeah and that seems to be a human tendency to to separate and divide and choose who is righteous and who's unrighteous and then play the game from there. And we don't see the human in the person who's standing in front of us. And when we do that and we dehumanize that person, we're all guilty of it. And it's just heartbreaking. And then it quickly leads into violence. We can conduct violence upon that person without seeing them as a human being. I think what you said a moment ago 
in taking it a step further to the righteous versus unrighteous. Mm -hmm. And obviously that is something, a theme that heavily underscores what goes on in the Middle East and has for years is righteous and unrighteous. And, you know, who gets to define that? Mm -hmm. How do you define that? And at the end of the day, I think what Imad was saying, you know, we have to, to call this what it is at the it, it it's just a land grab so many of these conflicts are that and is that a righteous thing yeah and that's that's the reality of most of these conflicts when it comes right down to it it has to do with the attaining of resources and land and in this particular situation obviously on a microcosm, it is Israel's reaction to a violent attack by Hamas. But then you step back and you look at the overall narrative. It's a very complex narrative, as we've already alluded to. But at the end of the day, what are we looking at? And we're looking at taking of resources. And that's what's so difficult. And this is not going to lead to peace. No. That's yeah. it, it's it's just not. If violence and the return of violence have ever led to peace, guess what? It hasn't worked. I agree. And you know, I just I I love the fact that Imad brought up at the end um Ishmael and Isaac coming back together and them communicating as brothers. I love and every time we are in an event with him, he he talks often about being brothers from another mother and um and I love that he brought that up because it's something you and I have brought up on this podcast many times. Mm-hmm. And we've got to somehow show that to the world. Right. That this story that has been built upon for centuries to villainize one or the other mm-hmm. is playing out in our minds in such a way that is likely very different right. than what is the actual narrative. Yeah. And you think of, and and that story is so germane for us today because you think about the story of Ishmael and his younger brother, Isaac, they were brothers who told them that they were different, who told them that they should hate one another. And there's no evidence to say that they ever did hate one another, but who told them they needed to be separated? It was other people. other people. It was the system that they had bought into. And because of that belief in that system, those who believed in that system separated them. And they had to live apart from one another. But the beauty of that story is that the death of their father brings them back. If there was real animosity between the two, I don't think Ishmael would have returned. And, and, you know, to think just what Ahmad said, you know, they they likely had some sort of communication mm-hmm. before that. Yeah. And, and like you said, they, they were victims of a system mm-hmm. that separated them. We are victims of systems in place that are causing us to have these, you know, enemies with right. folks we've never seen yeah. over a region, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's just really hard for me right now. Yeah, so it, this is causing me to question more than I think any other topic mm-hmm. that we've discussed 
or that I've come across in my adult years to really unpack what was taught and shown to me all of my life mm-hmm. is I think getting out of that kind of righteous versus unrighteous mindset and, and recognize what was told or sold as one mm-hmm. or the other. Because there was so much emphasis placed upon quote unquote, the blessing and in the Isaac and Ishmael story, the blessing is through Isaac. Well, then you take it a step further and what happens in Isaac's children's life and Jacob and Esau, Jacob, the younger brother steals the birthright to Esau and what happens because of the system, Jacob leaves and flees and two brothers separated again, told that they're enemies, but then they're reunited and Jacob is fearful for his life. When Esau sees him, he throws his arms around him and weeps and leaps for joy at the return of his brother. We weren't told those parts of the story. We weren't told that it was the system that separated these brothers, but it was love and mercy and kindness and, God forbid, decency that always brought them back together. That is the question we face today. Where's the decency? Where's the humanity? Where's the mercy? I agree. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time. We're going to have to end it here because this is hard to talk about. It is hard. But where we find it is in people like Imam, Imad, and Jossie. I'm just so grateful for him. Yeah, absolutely. And for the many friends we've made along the way who have helped to teach and show me and us um, about the, the beauty of humanity and all our differences and all our similarities um, that make it absolutely abhorrent for me to understand these things anymore. Well said. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Missy and I will be back next week uh, with another guest. Until then, keep living good faith. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org.